adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Rattledgen Broadcasting Premier Podcast. Damn you, Hollywood! And here's your host, <clears throat> Robert Winfrey. Yay! Coming to you in glorious 1080p this time. Well, actually, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not record. I'm not actually recording a 1080p. That would mean your upload would take a long time. But new technology, my. 10 12 year old webcam has now been retired i have something hang on the last hang on let me give you flowers hooray welcome to the 21st century so fingers crossed that no freezing issues i imagine we should be good all right (laughs) well mark here we are again yes Oh, the old familiar places. (laughs) Tonight, we are discussing The Black Adam, a 2022 American superhero. It's fun to just add a lot of things. Uh, Superhero film based on a DC Comics character of the same name. It was produced by New Line Cinema, DC Film, Seven Bucks Productions, which is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's thing, and Flynn Picture Co. It is a spinoff of the 2019 movie Shazam and the 11th film in the DC Extended Universe. It was directed by... Jaume Collet Serra, um, directed by. Look, hold on. Let, let's let me start my criticism of this with the following. Uh huh. This was directed by, like Zack Snyder's perpetual second unit director. That's what it felt like. <laughs> so here's what this particular director has done of note. Uh, last year he did Jungle Cruise. So okay, so it's not Zack Snyder's second unit director. It's The Rock's buddy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 fair. The Commuter from 2018. Um, the Shallows. Eh. Run All Night. Okay, apparently he eh. works a lot with Liam Neeson. Um, nonstop. Starting Again, Liam. Look, okay, literally every single one of these Liam Neeson. He does, he's done a lot of B quality Liam Neeson vehicles. Yeah. Uh, a 2009 psychological horror film named Orphan. Orphan's not terrible. Goal 2, and the only movie of these that you might have actually heard of, 2005's uh, House of Wax, which was his uh, directorial debut. So, again, this is a guy who doesn't do... like Jungle Cruise was easily the biggest thing he'd done to this point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 
also starting in this movie is Aldous Hodge as some version of Hawkman, Noah Noah Centineo, who plays Adam Smasher, Sarah Shahai, Marwin Kanzari, Quintessa Swindle is Cyclone, and Pierce Brosnan plays Dr. Fate. A very just, confused, a very befuddled Dr. Fate. Can we just take a moment and appreciate the fact that at least one actor has emotional range in this movie, and it's freaking Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> <laughs> yes everybody else had some real difficulty acting against the green screen there's a lot of special effects in this movie and it shows um <laughs> i want to talk about some of the I, I as i was pulling up the web pages and preparing i feel like tonight, well i feel like pierce brosnan's the only one who understands how to read between the lines like here's yeah. my lines of dialogue and he knows oh so let me intuit what my character actually feels about this whereas everyone else is just these are my lines of dialogue I will read them. Nothing <laughs> yeah. is explicitly stated. <laughs> so I was pulling up the web pages, and the first thing I see when I pull up, once I got past the, um, which we'll talk about this later, obviously, the audience score versus the critical score. First thing I we see is our good friend Amy that. Nicholson. <laughs> uh, I see something from a Amy Nicholson, and she, one of her things that she puts in this little tidbit they pulled out of her review for NPR Los Angeles was, um, it, more interesting as a sign of where the genre is going. And I thought that was kind of a weird statement because I was doing some research on this. You know when principal photography started on this? April 2021. Okay? <laughs> they shot this a year, uh, over a year ago. And when did, uh, when did it wrap? Um, it... Principal photography, I believe, wrapped. Uh, let's see here. Um, about July fifteenth. So okay, sorry, they wrapped August fifteenth. Okay, so August fifteenth of twenty twenty one. They shot between. They shot for four months between August tenth of twenty twenty one and August fifteenth of twenty twenty one. There's no way this was a sign of anything. This was like a rock vanity project. He was like, I want to be. A superhero i want to represent a non-white superhero i want to be you know i mean I, there had been talks of a black adam movie going back as far as 20 years yeah. ago i think well yeah there's th this something in development but this was this was the rocks like i want to be superman there are <laughs> there are no black supermen to speak of well there are but none, none that no one any, that anyone wants to put on screen that isn't trying to meet some sort of racial quota and he was like okay well what about black adam and everyone kind of looks around going the shazam villain yes what if we made him the hero of his own film and they were like, are you going to finance this? And The Rock says, I'm The Rock. Of course I am. They're like, fine, do whatever. <laughs> so I, I just take issue with this idea of this is a sign of where the genre is going. Do you know well, how many times the direction I, of DC on. on films... Wait, how many times the direction of DC on films has changed direction in just the past five years? You're not kidding about that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like this, They may have thought, okay, well... Here's the thing. They they were doing the connected universe, then they were doing director inspired stuff, then they went back to the to it, then they were like, let's just do not even like director inspired stuff, but let's like spread the wealth a little bit. Um, let's put some stuff on then there was let's put some stuff on HBO Max and have it connected. So we're back to the interconnected thing. And now I don't it's anyone's guess what they're doing. They're essentially, Warner Brothers and Discovery and whoever else is running DCEU, whatever squirrel they clawed out of a tree to run around on the keyboard, have basically were like, we just got to get these. Oh, wait, Ezra Miller's in prison? <laughs> we just got to. Oh, no, Amber Heard's doing domestic violence. 
Jesus Christ. Like, can we please just get a movie and make and have it make money? Like it is a feat. It is a feat of magic. They actually got the Batman on screen this past year. So as so it really is before we get into the film as sort of our opening shtick, I was just like, there's no way anyone making this film had any real solid clue of where this was going. And where, wherever they thought DCEU was going, Black Adam was not the canary in the coal mine. This was just the Rock's baby. And Warner Brothers was like, we'd like a hit someday. This guy seems to make the movies people want to go to. I can't see where this will fail. Yeah, you're not wrong. And <clears throat> to be fair, the notion that this movie might be an two things. One, the genre. Like yeah. there's not a billion subcategories of this. Right. Like, At least like the genre of superhero films, when you have every you know, or superhero television and, and films, you have everything from fucking Moon Knight to Shazam. To She-Hulk, to the Punisher, to the Batman. Like, what what genre would we be referring to then? Yeah, that that's my big gripe with that. Like, this is this is inherently a wildly varied, yeah, uh, you know, genre. Like, it, it's a little bit like saying, "Boy, that uh, that Megadeth album sucked." I'm sure you're worried about the state of rock and roll. <laughs> right. Like, hey, that, I didn't like that last one here. I didn't like that last sports film that Adam Sandler did. I I sure hope this you know the genre of sports film isn't going to be affected by it. Yeah, Adam Sandler <laughs> movies are really not. Adam Sandler movies are not doing well. The comedic genre seems to be in a downturn. I, I feel like America has lost its funny bone. Comedy is dead. Yeah. So <laughs> what, I. What are we doing here? That, now that said, when you can sort of extrapolate an interesting conversation about. I'm not going to say the genre, but the dominance of superheroes. Because again, wide, wide array of weight ranges. You can take this stuff and whatnot. But if you want to look at how this is performing and is projected to perform relative to some other Marvel fare, and I say that not to dump on Marvel, but if we're going to talk about the direction of the big budget blockbuster comic book inspired film, which is what this is. Then you can draw some interesting comparisons and some interesting uh, projections about this relative to that, but not not the genre of, you know, again, superhero films, because this is not emblematic of that at all, I don't think. No, this just absolutely screamed, the you know, Dwayne Johnson vanity project. I want to be a superhero. I'm a big star. Okay, what do you got for me? We got this Black Adam character. Perfect. This will sell in the Middle East. Done. Like, and that's it. That's as much thought as I went into this. That said, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a slight movie. Let me let me be clear. I'm gonna let you get into your plot synopsis here. Okay. I don't want to get too much into the craft review. But my kids are always great to like watch movies with because I get out of I get out of this. First of all, my kids loved it. They thought it was fantastic. And I'm sure that's, they did. But here's the thing. They're not watching with a critical eye. They're watching as a general audience member. That's what works about this movie is that it's very crowd-pleasing and it's very, very slight. It touches on some things that are interesting, but not in, no, but not in any way but not in any way that is interesting. I don't so, even think it touches on interesting stuff. It does. We can talk about it. But my, my point is, in a world where we're struggling to create crowd-pleasing uh, cinema that captures people's attention 
Um, in a world where a, so much of our our, our uh, culture is laden with the message, and you know, and <laughs> laden with the quotas, and you know, sort of the Twitter uh, conversation. This movie was very much devoid of that. It kind, you know, I wouldn't say it's like a Top Gun level, but it, it was definitely like we're not really interested in Twitter. We just want to make something that families and superhero fans can come to and have a good time. And on that level alone, they hit it out of the park. Now, there are problems with the movie. We'll percent. talk about them. Yeah. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Like, th this is a movie that is very much... Uh, it, it tries to be timeless in the way that good action is, in the sense right. that you can... Like, there's nothing that dates this apart from you know, elements of, like, technology. Right. If you could have gotten away with the CGI in this movie in 1985, you could have put this there and it would feel mm -hmm. right in place. Yep. So, with that said, go ahead and talk about the plot synopsis. So, we open with a giant exposition dump to what I assume would be a much more interesting movie. <laughs> <laughs> about the first country... The first country, Mark. Don't you understand? This is it. The first time men came together and began yep. to organize and build before the Greeks, before <laughs> the Romans, before before the Egyptians. Never mind the fact that, dude, just as an aside, I'm not kidding about this. Do you know how long the Egyptian Empire lasted? Thousands of years. Technically speaking... Cleopatra was born closer to the invention of Bitcoin than she was the completion of the pyramids. <laughs> okay. So just for the record, <laughs> there were actually ancient archaeologists who were ancient Egyptians. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, that's a thing. There's records mm -hmm. of that. It's kind of cool. But at this... On, at in, the... in their defense, the, the what is it? Kandak? Kandak. I mean, Kondok. I mean, it's an invention of comic book writers, and it was, and these comic books were written for kids. Let's and not beat them up too much. For I'm, go I'm gonna beat them up. It's what I do. <laughs> Mark, I let you be you. Let me be me. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> uh, in the distant past, there was an evil king who sought unobtainium. Sorry, other fake element, eternium. <laughs> No, wait, adamantium. And, no, wait. What's, and what's the one in uh, Age of Ultron that's, that the Wakandans have? Vibranium. Vibranium, that's it. And <laughs> he has to displace all the blue Smurfs who live in the tree that's on top of... Nope, sorry, still wrong movie. Mm -hmm. He enslaves people I believe, to... they were looking for... I believe they were looking for sneeches. Yeah, there was some of the sneeches. <laughs> Look, and then, you know, the, the problem was the Emperor had a star on his belly, and the others right. had none on theirs, and it just became a whole thing. And so they sought a hero, and out came the Lorax, and he spoke for the trees, don't you understand? Only to be chased off by the pants with nobody inside them. <laughs> I can keep going with Dr. Seuss references. This is not, like, I will beat you at this. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 go, go, go back to the place... Prefix uranium. Uh, so people are oppressed and enslaved, and they're trying to get this stuff to melt down and form the crown, wherein they can channel the power of the six great demons. 
All right. But I do enjoy the hero. fact that the demons formed a caucus. And a raucous caucus it was. Uh, but a hero arises, don't you understand, Mark? A young boy. Because nothing inspires the populace like an adolescent male. <laughs> a preteen, even. Well, who's whining about something such? But you have to understand, he rallied the people and he showed such bravery that the Council of Wizards, you might remember them from the Shazam movie, but he, but there was only the one left at that period of time. They draw him forth and imbue him with the power of the gods. Different gods than the heroes that they give Shazam, because, of course, and send him back and he fights the the evil monarch. Don't you understand, Mark? He fights the patriarchy. He throws off the oppressive shackles of the system of the systemic racism he with a giant explosion. He freed the slaves with a giant explosion like you do. Giant explosion of electricity that ruins things and leaves the hero buried. And we flash forward to modern day Kondok where it's allegedly a place. <laughs> yes, that they've let that they let the gang take over. But they let, and this might be the worst name for an organization ever. Intergang. In their defense, it's right out of the comics. I don't care. You have a chance to do better. Do better. I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I'm just raising a minor objection. Please continue. Your objection is noted and overruled. <laughs> Thanks, Your Honor. So, intergang after defeating intragang because they're between gangs rather than simply within the gangs. <laughs> wah wah. Uh, they have military occupation of this place allegedly. Somehow, yes, and, and we'll find out later that this gang has been allowed internet has been allowed to run the government of this country and no one's doing anything we have superpowered beings godlike beings on this planet but to keep the peace international interconnected peace we will allow the gang to continue to run this foreign country it's the dumbest thing just for the record it's the dumbest thing but within, but there are people who are excavating stuff around conduct. They're looking for Eternium because magic. So <laughs> our one of our heroes, an obnoxious teenager, with the acting ability of a fence post, <laughs> rides around with smashing pumpkins playing. So Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 over here is just kind of cruising around. Uh, his mother is an archaeologist of some renown. They're looking for the tomb wherein the crown of Sabak lies, this uh, legendary crown that was forged and now potentially possesses the like some sort of power. So she and a couple of friends, one of whom is totally not going to turn on them, totally <laughs> not going to turn on them. <laughs> you know, that was it was so... Um... That's the one I'm looking. It was so. It's so uh, obvious. You almost think it's a bluff. <laughs> there's a, there's a particular word for I can't. It's not coming to me right now. But where, where it's like they they showed you in the movie this was going to happen. Like it was utterly obvious it was going to happen. And then so when he turned, I was like, yeah, we were all just kind of waiting for this. Like he he might as well have had been like twirling his mustache and had a top hat on. 
Yep. By the way, Derpy Game, Derpy Gaming has joined us. Um, though he's now Derpy Five O First, and says, "Damn you, Hollywood exactly couldn't describe this film better." Derpy, not a fan of the Black Adam. Oh, uh, oh, hang on. I, he's got, he says he wants to describe this film in five okay. words. By all means, so I'm hit, curious. Hit us up, Derpy. All right. Anyway, while we're waiting for Derpy and his five words, okay. telegraph. So that's what I was looking for. They telegraph that guy's fucking oh, heel yeah. turn. Like, like no, it's not, <laughs> dude. It's not a telegraph. It's a smoke signal. Mm-hmm. What is it? I uh, always like compare that stuff like that to, like the bitten family guy, where he's like, I was having a hard time reading your signals, and the woman's just lying on the bed with, you know, with the, you know, with the runway thing, and it's yeah, pointing into yep, her vagina. Yep, yep. <laughs> I don't, no, no, it, he doesn't say I was having a. Eh, that's not wrong. <laughs> Cash grab and post credit. Thanks, Derpy. Um, the line in the line he says wasn't. I was having a hard time reading your signals. Brian says I've been getting some pretty strong signals. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they flash and then it, to her. Then it cuts to that, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So it was it was that kind of telegraph. Yeah, it, it really is. So they they find the location because of course they do. Uh, <laughs> they find the crown as it floats there in space and time, and they get it, but they are betrayed. Sudden but inevitable betrayal. Oh, the Shakespearean tragedy of it all. Oh. <laughs> uh, to escape imminent death, she speaks some words and awakens the hero. Out pops the rock for his run-in. And he proceeds to layeth the smacketh down all over these candy-ass fools. Uh, he murders a bunch of people. Some people escape with the crown. He gets injured <clears throat> by an exploding Eternium rocket. So naturally, they take the demigod back to their apartment. <laughs> where he meets the obnoxious preteen mm-hmm. who badgers him endlessly about superhero culture and wonders why he doesn't have a cape. And tries to impart to him, Mark, the wisdom of the catchphrase. Yes. Honestly, I really want him to be like, yeah, as he's going through different catchphrases, he had why why we couldn't get just one little wink and say, uh, you know, do you smell what Black Adam's cooking? That would be a bit too much. <laughs> Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I'm not saying we Look, couldn't have tried Black something. Black Adam but... layeth the smacketh down. <laughs> I mean, again, you couldn't quite do Rudy Pooh candy ass. <laughs> Black, Black Adam is going to lay it to smack it down on your Rudy Pooh candy ass. Like, people are just looking around. You're I'm here to Adam. I'm here to liberate the millions. And millions! <laughs> of citizens of Kondok, even though our population is actually less than that of a small town. Yeah. Uh, anyway. There were He's more, bombarded there were more about CGI. superhero culture. <laughs> there he were more flies. CGI. Hang on, there were more CGI aliens in the most likely cantina than there were people in this in that whole fucking country. You're not wrong. <laughs> he flies through a couple of walls like you do because comedy. Uh, they're attacked because bad guys want the crown. Can we just talk Black... about that for just one second? So right. I, I guarantee you, there's an edit of this film where they don't do him walking through walls. And and a studio note was not enough comedy. 
and they were like not wrong and they were like what are we how do we add comedy to this you know parable about liberating people and your you know your revolutionary is my uh your terrorist is my freedom fighter kind of a thing and and they're like i don't know why don't we just have the, the fucking rock walk through walls because he can and who would stop him and but here's my problem with that later on when they make the joke about the door he was just like of course we had doors that's how we got into rooms if you know that if you know that you know what doors are why are you walking through this poor woman's fucking house destroying it? Like, Who knows? It, it, it was one of those things where just like, what, how can we demonstrate he does not care? He just doesn't care. He's a villain. He's a bad guy. I don't know. Have him walk through those walls and like mightily destroy this woman's apartment. It was like that level of stupidity. But I'll tell you what, it works. My kids were cracking up. Every time he walked through a wall, it was like the screaming goats. They would just laugh. <laughs> They're like, hey, he walked through another wall. You just had to reference those fucking goats. I know people who think the screaming goats are the height of comedy. Yeah, you work in a prison. A jail. I work in a jail. Okay, fair enough. You work in a jail. <laughs> I assume everyone who thinks that's the height of comedy is in jail. Or if not, they should be. <laughs> so there's a bit of a... So again, there's people who look for the... Who want the crown. There's Black Adam. Not sure what he's doing. To further complicate matters, here comes the Justice Society. <laughs> Called up by the least interesting character in this movie, and that's saying something. Amanda Waller, please, for the love of God, DC, I beg of you, Warner Brothers, I don't care. Look at me. Look at me. Stop trying to make Amanda Waller Nick Fury. Stop it. Oh, that's never going to happen. She's not. Never will be. You're doing that character a disservice. You are ruining things for fans because she sucks. And I don't mean she sucks in the way that you want a bad guy to suck. I mean, she's boring, uninteresting, and just makes people not care. Stop it. So she sends a group of members of the Justice Society and we get Hawkeye. Derp, Derpy agrees with you. Well, at least somebody does. <laughs> So we get uh, not Hawkeye, Hawk guy, Hawk man, Hawkey, <laughs> Hawk dude, Hawk, Hawk, Hawk brother, Hawk they, they Hawk. <laughs> soul <laughs> that might Hawk. I'm a soul Hawk. He's just he's just Hawk like Shaft. <laughs> he's a bad mother. Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about Hawk. <laughs> See, tell me it doesn't work. <laughs> anyway, uh, Hawkman, Dr. Fate. <laughs> Hawk on, Hawk off. Uh, Dr. Fate hey, Hawk up, you. <laughs> uh, as does the aforementioned character, Mark mentioned them, Cyclone and Adam Smasher. Adam Smasher, the nephew, grandson of the Fonz. <laughs> Can't believe I didn't think of that, but Mohawk, yes, thank yeah, you. Thank Exactly. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. When the next one shows up, then there's Mohawk. Because there's more of them. <laughs> Mohawks that you can shake a stick at. So the again, the second generation fawns, along with Cyclone, go they all head out to Condock to deal with the giant rogue metahuman that is Black Adam. And you've just got to get him to say the name of Shazam because that's where his power comes from. And then we can totally take him out. But we got to get him to say his, to say that. 
So they show up and they fight with Black Adam and this tends to go badly for them because Black Adam is incredibly powerful. But in this skirmish, Dr. Fate realizes, wait, you have the crown of Sabak. And rather than try to deal with the incredibly dangerous, potentially world-altering evil artifact, he lets... <laughs> Next film, no hawk. No hawk. How about, hey, I got, I got one for you. Keep going. Right. I'll just put it on screen myself. All right, you do that. Uh, so rather than deal with the artifact, he resumes... <laughs> He resumes fighting uh, Black Adam. Ultimately, the crown is nearly stolen. The kid gets abducted by, again, the tragic, totally wasn't going to turn on them, uncle, who shoots the fat guy, because the fat guy has to get shot. Sure. Right in the belly. Well, that's how you know he survives, because there's so yeah. much, you know. Clearly, this is not a fatal wound. Why yes. would shooting someone in the abdomen? <laughs> hey, listen, Mr. Orange... Bleeds for most of Reservoir Dogs when you got shot and gut shot. Hurts like hell, but you won't bleed out. You will. You totally Eventually. will. <laughs> Eventually. Just saying. Uh, they, so they abduct the kid and use him as a bargaining chip to get the crown back. Eventually, they locate the crown from its crappy hiding place. But, you know, crappy hiding places work plenty of times, too. So I'm not actually bagging on that. They argue briefly about whether or not they're going to give the crown to the evildoers. <laughs> and rather than listen to any of the super-powered people who say this is a bad idea, our one normie, who's like, no, as long as they have my son, we are, we are doing this and we are getting him back. And I'm just sitting here going, why, why are we listening to this woman? Because this she is a not woman. Because she is, is a woman, she must be listened to. She is token is, broad in this film. This is not your area of expertise. <laughs> Look, if you are any kind of scientist in a movie, everything is your area of expertise. Uh, so they eventually make a trade. They deliver the crown. But the raid, there's a, there's a stupid twist in here briefly about... Um, the Rock wasn't actually the hero. In, like The story has been distorted over time. He wasn't the hero. His son was the hero who, get, who transferred his powers. Rather than splitting them like Shazam did, he simply gave them to The Rock wholesale and then was struck down by assassins from the king and then The Rock went on a rampage and murdered a bunch of people <laughs> like you do when your <laughs> like son you dies. Do. Yep. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I forgot... Our our tra our uh, our Judas is the last living descendant of the King of Kondok who was murdered by. What by four year old even. wrote this? <laughs> the kind of four year olds that know what an eight year old and an eleven year old will like. Uh, he gets the crown, but he dies in the process, and we think all is well. And Black Adam, after again expressing that I'm not the hero, my son was the hero. He was the one who wanted to liberate Kondok. I was a father and had responsibilities and couldn't afford the luxury of dreams and aspirations. I, I thought it was an odd costume design to be in like an ancient Middle Eastern, an ancient Middle East, and he walks in in a in a white golf shirt and a tie and slacks and a briefcase. And he's just coming home like, uh, life, <laughs> boy, that commute today. Like, why is why is everyone else dressed appropriately? Yes, he had responsibilities as a father. He voluntarily. <laughs> 
uh, says Shazam and becomes normal. So they take him to the Supermax facility under the water. It's the raft, but it's the submarine because it's underwater. Okay. Where you get a nice little cameo from the blonde chick from Peacemaker. Oh, that's who that was? You didn't recognize her? It's been a while since I've watched Peacemaker. She sounded vaguely familiar, but her hair was in a ponytail. I didn't remember who she was. By the way, it's stuff like this that makes my son get confused over like DC and Marvel. He, there, later on, when we get to the the, the big spoiler in the uh, in the post credit scene, I'll share another tidbit that he said. But he, he <laughs> we're watching this movie, and he, and he said something to the effect of like, "I can't tell what's DC and Marvel anymore." And it was like right after they showed you their version of the raft. I mean, like. Boy, are we just stealing ideas from each other now? Like, there's just—it's just shameless. Always have been. Yeah. Always have been. I kept <laughs> when they introduced Doctor Fate originally. I kept waiting for my son to just look at me and go, "All right, who came first, Doctor Strange or Doctor Fate?" Because what the fuck? <laughs> um. So they they imprison Black Adam, and all looks to be well, but alas, there is. Uh, I imagine there's a version of this movie where that's it. That's the end. Mm -hmm. We have a tight 90-minute movie. But no. Now, for reasons, because no other reason than the author decided, no, dying while holding the crown sends you to the afterlife wherein the demons will imbue you with their power. In the afterlife, da-da-da-da. So our turncoat is imbued with the power of the demons and returns to the mortal world to raise hell on earth. And, and we he, get the uh, and we get the skeleton army from any, on, any one a, of and any from any one of the Disney Halloween cartoons. I have jokes about that. Yeah. He comes back, he beats the Justice Society. He goes to sit on the throne of Kondok because apparently the piece of rock there is now somehow important to all of this. <laughs> well, in the last daddy standing death match between Effie and Paro, you had to win by sitting on the throne. So apparently that's just a cultural thing now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm reaching. <laughs> you know my favorite thing Paro's done? What is your favorite thing that... Pa that Homose out homosexual wrestler Paro has done. Got massacred in MLW by Mil Muertes. Oh, did he really? Yep. I cover MLW. <laughs> Derpy came. Derpy left and again came back, and that was a question. <laughs> so, how was the wrestling film, fellas? We're getting there. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. The, the coming up at this very end of the film, where the Rock did the people's elbow on uh, on the demon, I cheered. I mean, look, I thought that I thought kicking out of three different rock bottoms, you know, was a bit much. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what, I really got I, I and went frankly, crazy when, frankly, when Black the Adam Lord... hit him with this. I, I can't believe he, uh, Black Adam hit him with the Stone Cold Stunner. Well, and frankly, when the when the the Demon Lord does the Canadian Destroyer, like if that, that <laughs> as an in between, like there's not even a cover afterward. Right. Like the Rock just pops up, no sells the flipping pile driver. <laughs> But I'll tell you, it became it, it was emotionally resonant with me when the Demon Lord and the Rock kissed and jumped off the cage into a table to their doom. Sure, <laughs> you you are really bitter about that match. I really am. Like I, I'm bitter about the state of wrestling generally. You are just fixated on Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. That one match, yes. 
that one match broke me. And their ridiculous excess. Hey, yeah. I know what Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano need. They need a 60-minute match. No, they don't. Never. Yeah. They Speaking never need 60 that. 60 minutes. We're gonna, it's going to be 60 minutes by the time yeah, we yeah. do this plot synopsis. So our big bad demon is running amok in Kondok. Dr. Fate reveals that there's a way to stop this guy, but it will kill Hawk guy. Hawkman. Hawker. <laughs> Hawk Hogan. <laughs> And, but, and Hawk Hogan does the J-O-B to no one. <laughs> doesn't work for him, brother. God damn it, you beat me too, and I was too busy laughing. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't work for me, brother. So, he, but Dr. Fate, knowing, you know, fate, This is the problem when wrestling idea. fans review movies that, that The Rock is in, by the way. I know. <laughs> make all these <laughs> stupid references. He is able to isolate the area with the throne, and then he starts trying to stop the demon prince champion as he reaches out magically to Black Adam and says, no, you were not a mistake. People love you. You matter. They didn't say die, Black Adam, die. They weren't saying <laughs> boo. They were saying Black Adam. <laughs> Please come save us. So he fights his way out of the Supermax facility as Dr. Fate dies and the other group members of the Justice Society show up and they fight to try and stave off the demon, but they can't do it. And he sits on the throne and unleashes the least intimidating army and most useless army of <laughs> demonic spawn ever on film. I mean that. These guys are useless. They're single-handedly defeated by a fat man with a tire iron. I mean, Ultron bots... Demon skeletons. The Ultron bots were more useful than these things. I don't know. By I'll tell you a, what. By a I, wide margin. Okay, Thanos' war dogs. Those were pretty... I mean, a lot of them got killed, but there were so many of them. Yeah, they, they were they, like throwing they, themselves they into stop. the shield. Yeah. Like, um, they killed people. There were a lot of... That, like, that battle was costly. The Jatari, <laughs> the Jatari I think, were fairly effective. I mean, they got messed yeah, up by were, the Hulk, but... Yeah, they were all right. Yeah. <laughs> again, they the... did stuff. These guys, <laughs> these guys show up, and again, fat guy with a bald spot and a tire iron <laughs> is just murking these guys left and right. Yeah, these these are these are level one, like video game enemy spawn. Yeah. Then Black Adam arrives, and he teams up with this group to fight the Demon Lord, and they get into a big throwdown. And as they're doing this, oh, sorry, right before Black Adam shows up. Our annoying teenage protagonist rallies the people, Mark, by standing in a somewhat obscured location and calling for the diamond cutter. Shoulders back, chest out. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> he wanted DDP, I, don't you understand? But it comes I, I the, rock, the real people's champion. I thought it was weird when they played Smells Like Teen Spirit in that scene. It would have been. <laughs> Um, so there's a big fight. Inevitably, the good guys win, and The Rock literally tears this guy in half. The Hellspawn go away. Kondok is now free, I guess. Um, the Justice Society decide to leave Black Adam alone. Black Adam is like... And then there's the argument. Don't you understand, Mark? Because his, his darkness enables him to murder people. He's the hero they need. But the if it's the Punisher, murder. it's 
if it's the Punisher murdering criminals, it's problematic. If it's Black Adam murdering the imperialist occupiers, it's cheerworthy because we don't know what we want. <laughs> also, two different universes. I'm aware, but you know what I mean. <laughs> they. That's okay. I, I got... had a Jonas moment there where I was just like, wait, which universe are we in now? I can't even tell anymore. No one knows. We'll be in the quantum universe soon enough, which is its own secret universe below the regular universe, Mark, don't you understand? With its own not. set of 10 million secret societies that run everything. Yeah, I have not even watched that trailer yet. Yeah, you're not missing anything. Mm. Um, so that's how that ends. Kondok is apparently free. The Black Adam destroys the throne of Kondok. This ancient archaeological relic. I really wanted him to like go into a whole thing about how we're gonna have free, how we're gonna have a free and democratic elections, and this gonna like just do the whole ending from Fistful of Dollars at uh, or Fistful of Yen at the end of the Kentucky Fried movie. It's just like, and we'll have fresh milk. Let's <laughs> keep going. Yeah, a chicken in every pot, and. That's more or less where things end, and then we get a mid credit scene where a hologram of Amanda Waller shows up and everyone walks away. <laughs> she tells Black Adam, fine, if you don't want to stay in my prison, you don't have to stay in my prison, but if you set one foot outside the borders of Kondok, then, ooh, buddy, you better not do it, <laughs> mister. And he's like, but I could just conquer things and expand Kondok's borders and still technically be within your rules, but because you're stupid. You're a stupid <laughs> character. Written stupidly, right. and, and I and know he's... we spoil. I know we spoil every single movie that we talk about because we do film discussion and not technically movie review. So again, if you for the next six seconds, just cover your ears or some shit, or go or press the fifteen seconds ahead button on your podcast catcher or whatever. Remove the little needle because in the post credit scene, so he blows up this drone. But Amanda Waller has now threatened him. Don't you understand, Amanda Waller, Mark? Yes. Is the big bad. She's the one who decides what our heroes do and what they don't do. So when she threatens Black Adam with people not from this planet and Black Adam says, fine, send all of them that you got. I don't care. I'm awesome. And blows it up. Then Amanda Waller calls in her favor and six on Black Adam, Henry Cavill as Superman. It would have been more effective if he showed up as the Witcher. Would have been more effective if he just showed up on his own. Stop <laughs> with this Amanda Waller crap. She adds nothing. I tell you what, though, when she did was when she when he was like send all of them, I expected there to be a lantern. Like that would have been know, nice, you know, or like or you know the camera just pans up and it's fucking the one planet that's an actual lantern and all that shit. Um, all right, so a couple of things here. So, so well, Derpy, well, hang five, hang, no, wait, yeah. hang, Derpy 501, I have three words to describe this film. He's been getting me, he's been wanting me to do this all show. All right, so the first three words are Batman and Robin. <laughs> Somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> God, what an incoherent movie that was! And somehow Superman returned. Well, Superman never go. actually left. Like, yeah, they they already fairness. brought him back to life, and then it was just you know, and then it was they were gonna we were gonna do everything but white male Superman, and then Discovery was like, "No, you the fuck, you're not." The so, one, de the one decent decision Discovery made in regards to this so far, yeah. All right, what are you gonna say so, before we get into the graphic? So review? again, Henry Cavill walks dramatically out of shadow into sunlight as the Superman theme plays, and he says, "Black Adam, we should talk." And The Rock yeah. smirks at him like, yay, my WrestleMania opponent finally showed up. I can get a payday. 
Yes. So as I said before, um, in terms of theme, this touches on the very like lightly touches. Like we're talking, you're naked in a pool and you accidentally graze by another girl without consent kind of touching. Um, you know, like you didn't really mean to. She sort of just backed up into you. This isn't like a true story or anything. She just sort of backs up into you as you're like you're kind of talking with your hand and like you graze her. That's how. Not not that I would know anything about that. I wasn't there. Um, but not that's the kind of touching it does. You're now the reason. We, you're now the reason for the disclaimer. Just for the record, now it's you. <laughs> I've always been the reason for the disclaimer. Um. So anyway. <laughs> It touches on the idea of one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. Not well, and not coherently or in, not intelligently, but it points at it from about 500 yards. At least it's there. Um, it also touches on the idea, and I think DC at large seems to be struggling with what defines a hero. Um, because again, and, you know, and it kind of goes into this with the intergang stuff, where for whatever the reasons are, and it's never explained, so you don't understand why they're doing this, they're just doing it. There needed to be, and, and I, if you're a student of history, if you're, you know, if you're like me, you're middle aged and you kind of lived through the 80s, you know that like Saddam Hussein was our guy in Iraq until he wasn't. The Shah of Iran was our guy in Iran until he was deposed by his own people and the Ayatollah got put in. Um, I you know, told been... about to get deposed violently by his own people. You know, the, yeah. the Iranians are not happy at the moment, man. Oh, well, it took him a hundred years. Uh, but my point is, we've there's always been like we've the Western world has always sort of imposed its will in one way or another by having their guy in the third world. So, in the sense that it was believable in this slight way that the world, the the the, the DC universe world would install or allow this this high-tech gang to have taken over this country and just it's like well it's better than what would happen if we let it go to the people and they elect the ayatollah i i don't know i again because it's not really explained i'm inferring a lot but you, just no, no, no. you're not inferring you're projecting Pro whatever my point is it's not explained well, and it's and it's just a matter of setting up an even better guy for Black Adam to beat up, um, which is ultimately my biggest problem with this movie. Is you took a villain, and the story you want to tell is this guy's a bad guy, but he's placed in a situation where he could be a better guy, and over the course of the film, he's better. He he learns to not kill. He learns the value of human life, um, and he becomes. Sort of. And because he's not in it to save the people of Kandak, but becomes its protect, finds his purpose in life. Because initially he is driven strictly by revenge, you know, revenge for killing his son, revenge for killing his wife, and he just wants to see, you know, blood on the streets. Um, <laughs> and he learns the value of having a higher calling. Again, we're touching on this at like a second grade level, but those are all in the movie. And to the movie's credit, as somebody who's kind of studying this and looking for things to talk about and thinking about it, yeah, I got it. But most people, A, don't care. They wanted to see a big CGI action mess. And that's what they got. You know, we are, the, the, the openings got action going on in, in a big CGI explosion. We're two or three minutes into the next thing and there's a chase. 
four or five minutes later, there's another thing. Ten minutes later, there's another thing. You know, the movie. So one of the things that works in the movie's favor, it's very well paced. It is about two hours. Uh, get the yep. time here. Uh, yeah, it's just a little over two hours. It does not feel its length. I know fucking fall over now for people like, oh, my God, do you guys didn't think this needed to be shorter? No, it was perfect just the way it was. No, um, I, it moved I at mean, a pace. You could shorten this. Let, let me let me put it this way. You could shorten this movie, but it's not a movie that I was watching going, please, God, cut this. I mean, look, cut Amanda Waller. Yes, but that's a that's not a time limit issue that I had with yeah. that. Right. No, um, I, I thought it was very well paced. You talked about so I want to talk about Dwayne Johnson's performance. Um, he was going for stoic. He was going for smoldering. I mean, you know, he he's got a lot of charisma from his wrestling days. He's got a natural a lot of natural charisma. That's what made him popular as a wrestler. Um, I think he pulls it off. The problem is in doing so. And again, I ha- I don't have a good read on the Black Adam character from the comics, but it's a little flat. Um, he, I I think some rage. The. Instead of showing emotional rage, he he shows rage through power sets. So compare him to Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy has like a PTSD flashback. He's starting to lose his shit. He blows up. Literally. The build the build up, literally. The build up to him exploding is much more interesting than the explosion itself. Yeah. Though I would sit here and argue there are probably people who prefer the explosion. Like, could we just get to it already? Um, so my point is with the rock. With Dwayne Johnson, I like 40 years later, and I'm still calling him that. With Dwayne Johnson not kind of showing a tremendous amount of emotional range and just sort of relying on I'm angry, and so everything's on everything's electrocuted now. I'm angry, everyone's being thrown into the atmosphere. It's a poor substitute for emotional range, but it's great if all you're looking for is visual stimuli. It is fun to watch him electrocute people. It looks good. It's fun to watch him throw people and do the Wilhelm screen as they fall down to their death. That was all great. My kids loved it. I was having a good time watching it. Chris Bailey's, you know, and Chris Bailey and his teenagers were having a good time watching it. This is a very crowd-pleasing film. This is a film that, just like Top Gun Maverick, knows what its audience wants and gave it to them. Um, Aldous Hodge is not a bad actor. He is not given a tremendous... He is not given a lot to work with here. I kind of like that they made him a, a like jackass superhero, like one of these people who like because I'm the good guy, all my decisions are right. And over the course of the film, he realizes, hey, I don't always have the right answers. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is the best performance in this entire film by a um, mile. Yeah, by by a good by a good stretch. He's doing his level best with this crazy, you know, CGI character that he has to play. He is doing his level best to fill out that outfit. Um, poor man. Was <laughs> he like in his fucking seventies and he's gotta be like all pecked out because he's wearing fucking tights and an onk. Dude, I for the record, I feel bad for Hugh Jackman. He's like almost sixty and he's gonna have to get back into Wolverine shape. Yeah, really. But um he, he I liked he had a lot of really good lines on this. I think you know, he was sort of like the emotional Black Adam is like supposed to be the emotional core, but I actually think Pierce Brosnan is sort of just struggling oh. with struggling with like what's going to happen in the future and the possible loss of his friend and, you know, who was Hawkman um, trying, you know, going there to complete the mission, but realizing maybe they've got this wrong, the guilt over not helping the people of Kandok because that's not the mission. And that's, you know, and there's an expectation to just leave things as they are for the stability of the rest of the world. And him like, yeah, I don't love that we're doing that either. Um, you know, him seeing the, the MacGuffin 
the, the magic crown as being an important thing, and but struggling also with the mission and just trying to keep it all in balance. He's like the only one that has emotional range and is showing any kind of conflict confliction in what he's doing. Uh, the kid who plays Adam Smasher and the gal who plays Cyclone, they were just there. They're fine. They, they I'm, are... I'm sure that whatever raise they got by moving away from their Disney Plus show was <laughs> totally worth yeah. it. Um, the girl that plays Cyclone definitely has some, they, she needs to take a class in acting against a green screen. Cause a lot of her stuff is against the green screen and she's kind of doing the enchantress thing. Yeah. <laughs> she's fucking like, like at a rave or something. I don't know what she's doing, but between her not really knowing what to do against the green screen and then the green screen effects, not that great for her stuff. Like, like Dr. Strange, oh, Dr. Fate's like yellow crystal thing that he does looks pretty cool. A lot of the other um, effects look okay, but hers in particular were not great. Overall, uh, I guess I don't have too much more to add to this. Um, I think as a one-off spin-off, if you will, um, I think it's just like a, a fall popcorn, big budget return to the kind of slight action fair that people enjoy and actually gets people to go to the movies they hit a home run here um in terms of like plot it's very slight there's not much there but it's highly dependent on performance and action scenes and the, and that's enough to get you through the movie this you did if you had laid in this thing with heavy plot and if you had laid in this thing with well with well tough touched on themes like jonas was asking me tonight because he listens to our show especially toward you know to get to bed it's you know he finds comfort in listening to us talk and he's always like what are you and robert going to yell about are you gonna yell <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are you and Robert going to say about this movie that I liked? Actually, his first question to me was, was this better than Morbius? I need to know. Oh, oh yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's yes. Like miles better than Morbius. But the, that's, say, like this, that's like the standard now in the house. How is that? How is the lowest common denominator now like the standard for you? <laughs> because my son, it broke my son's heart that we trashed that movie. He loved Morbius. Okay. And, he's like, and so now he questions his own taste. He's like, but if my dad and Robert, who I respect their opinions, didn't like it, like, like, like I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm okay, like, look. Eight, fine. One, yeah, you're a kid. Kids have terrible taste. I did when I was a kid. Mark did. Still does in many respects. Yeah, my taste has not changed from childhood. Um, It's okay to like things that aren't good. Just yeah. know that about them. Like, my my gripe has always been the, the crowd that is... Either I like it, therefore it's good, or I don't like it, therefore it's bad. And those are well, not... What's even, what's even worse is I like it and so should you. And if you don't like that it, you're too. wrong. That's yeah, the worst. That is the worst. Um, so there's there's that. But again, is this better than Morbius? Yes, it has a... It's engaging visually. Morbius is not. <laughs> yeah, no. This at least, despite it being you know in the Middle East at least has like an interesting aesthetic and color palette as opposed to Morbius, which looked like Seattle in a, you know, in the rain with the lights off in the basement behind the door that says, beware of the leopard. Um, so they overall, and I'll pitch it over to you. Um, I, it's, it, the, the movie has zero emotional heft to it. It has, yeah. it has almost, it has featherweight, uh, thematic heft. But where it succeeds is its ability to be a crowd pleaser. There's nothing wrong with liking this movie. There's only something wrong with looking for something deeper here, but that really wasn't the mission objective either. So, this is not a good movie. <laughs> it's not. 
but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Um, my issues with this movie a little bit as follows. Um, you mentioned the lack of emotional heft. I don't need, you know, Shakespeare out of this. I really don't. But you'd like to care just a little bit about the people we're going to be spending two hours watching on screen. And you don't. Like, when, when oh no, I'm going to shoot this kid. As an audience member, I'm sitting here going, please. Just put us all out of our misery. <laughs> uh, I. It's never explained to any degree why Black Adam doesn't just murder that kid. He was disoriented. I don't care. <laughs> like that, That's you projecting. Like, that's you trying to figure out, uh, look, he didn't kill him because the script says he likes the kid, but there's no actual reason for it. And there's a fair bit of that in this movie. Stuff that happens purely because the script says so. And I have a problem with that. There's visual stuff here that is, like Mark said, the CGI is a little bit uneven. It varies. Sometimes it's perfectly good. Sometimes not so much. The there's a lot of Zack Snyder visual influence here. The slow mo, uh, the cutting around, the cutting around to different characters as we get as we like slow mo to a big climactic pow, like that's all over the place in this. Yeah, the director of photography in this movie has seen one or two superhero films. It was kind of like smile in that sense. It was like, what do they do in superhero films? The 360 shot, slow-mo, big CGI effects, like all of that. Just all of it. All the things you see in the Avengers movies, do that. Right down to the big beam in the sky. Oh my God, my son elbowed me. He was just like, <laughs> we got one. We got, a, we, we got a laser in the sky. I'm like, you're so mean. And then an army of faceless goons. <laughs> yeah, they, they really just like, does anyone have an extra Avenger script lying around? <laughs> Let's start crossing off names. Uh, to The Rock's performance, I get what they were going for. I think it was a mistake. I think there's a better way to do this. And again, it's giving him a little bit more emotional range. Dwayne Johnson has good facial acting. He's a very emotive guy. Go look at him in what is it? Not the program. Um, the one where he's the football player and he's and he and he and he's raising game his game plan. The game plan, yeah, he's great in that. But like a lot of it's it's like comedic acting and like what he does with his, his expressions in his face. Yeah, he. Um, on a more serious note, there's a kind of thriller, a revenge thriller that he stars in called called Faster, where he does a lot of emo of emotional acting with just his face and his eyes. He can do it. He's good at it. I think they needed to give him a little bit more to do in that respect. And because in this case, I think it's down to direction. They directed him to do this. And again, I just, I think it was a mistake. I think there's a better way to do it. Mm -hmm. Our entire finale sequence comes out of left field in the worst way possible. Can I tell you, I almost, looked, I, I looked at my thing. It was like seven fifteen. We caught a five fifteen movie. So when he's just like, I'll say the words, but I'll never say him again. And he's, you know, says Shazam and he turns back to normal again. I'm just like, all right, roll credits. We're good. He, he, he learned 
that being an all-powerful God is not all it's cracked up to be, and he surrendered. The emotional, <laughs> the the plot of this movie has been resolved. We're good. I completely forgot about the guy with the crown. Yeah, again, it feels very tacked on, and it only mm. happens because the author wants it to. There's no other reason for it. And I, I I'm almost wondering if that was the original ending. Like, I assume the whole thing was get him to say his name and surrender his powers um, voluntarily, and he does plot resolved and they and they handed the script in and water brothers like are you out of your fucking minds if him and zod don't destroy the city why did anyone come see this piece of shit picture and they just wrote that ending on you know because my god the cgi in that scene looks like it was tacked on at the end really like does. they like they gave that to the people who do the mar who do marvel cgi They're like hey while you're working on dr strange like fuck off <laughs> just just fuck off it yeah sense. it's it's a real it's a real problem of writing a mm. real problem um again the crap with amanda waller that character needs to go away i absolutely mean this please stop uh some of the fights between black adam and uh hawk hawkman they were fine like there's nothing memorable about them but they were fine mm -hmm. like yeah they were believable action five sequences like okay i'll tell you my, my son said something really interesting to me on the way there he was like i don't think this movie is going to be good and you and robert are going to hate it and i'm like boy that's easy money but why um <laughs> <laughs> it's like betting on the fucking sun coming out tomorrow um but he was just like well black adam has all of superman's powers yeah and like he does jonas he is, he's More. all powerful and he was like okay and nobody can nobody can beat him not the guys that they have going up against him no he was like, well, then every fight scene is going to be tensionless because how, because you can't beat the guy. Not wrong. That, my eight-year-old came up with that. Well, let me, let me just very briefly, to the credit of this film, they created a circumstance, like, they, they acknowledge that. Like, the movie mm. is very aware that this is, like, the B team, <laughs> like, We've got the we've got the goobers from the Dungeon of Doom running in on Hawk Hogan over here. Like <laughs> we don't even have the Yeti for the the awkward humping. Yeah, or the or Abdullah the Butcher hitting him with a fork. So so <clears throat> they intelligently change the stakes. We can't beat him physically, and that's made very apparent. So how do right. we build tension then? We again we change the we change what we're trying to do. We're not trying to beat him physically. We're trying to get him to not wreck things. And if we have right. to fight physically, we will. But if we can do this another way, that's not the worst thing in the world. And I think my only I, problem with that, to Jonas's point, is you have Superman-level power. You have not Superman-level heroes. And there's other things going on in this movie that we could be talking about. But because nobody wants to see those things, all you get is a fist fight. It's one fist fight after that. Well done fist fights, don't get me wrong, but it's a look, I, it's a fist fight, then a gunfight, then a chase scene, then a fist yeah. fight, then uh right. then a ransom negotiation, then an explosion, <laughs> then a fist fight. Yeah. I I I, I could just hear like Chris Bailey right now, the Chris Bailey's of the world, but like but Rattledge you're you're asking too much of this film you're asking a five-foot guy who isn't spud webb to dunk a basket 
Like, okay, lower your expectations. But I think that's my problem. It's that I can see why critics didn't like this. It, it, mm. it is you you want there are, there is such thing as a crowd pleasing well and uh infinity war infinity war is probably the best most most uh best example of a modern action movie that goes deep there is a lot going on in infinity war it is a near perfect movie and it s a lot of its audience um but that's okay because it delivers on its own not a lot of movies, um, not, there's not a lot of talent out there to create another Infinity War, and there's not a lot of Infinity Wars out there. But So for me, when we do DMU Hollywood and we think about these movies, it, it's, it, it does kind of become the same conversation of, well, do you want something well-written or really entertaining? But why can't we have both? We had it with Infinity War. Is that such an outlier? And yeah. the answer is yes. Keep going. I'm going to let you finish up. I'm going to okay. be right back. Uh, to that point, like, yeah, we do want both, and where you fall on the spectrum is it's very hard to get both, so you tend to get more of one, less of the other. Um, this movie, again, it's very crowd-pleasing. There's some good humor in this, believe it or not. Um, I was worried it was going to be too jokey. Um, the Rock moving through walls didn't really tickle my fancy, but... There are there are jokes here that land. Um, him trying to do the catchphrase, I actually think was kind of funny. That's down mostly to the Rock's delivery. You know, he kills people, and then his original thing is, "I don't wait. I don't need a catchphrase. I don't waste words on the dead." Then the kid convinces him, "No, you need a catchphrase." So he kills a bunch of people and says a catchphrase, and like, "No, you're supposed to say it before you kill them." Okay, catchphrase, then kill them. Got it. Then he kind of bungles it a couple of times and then finally gets it right. So that I was a, like that kind of worked. My favorite joke in this, like my favorite bit of comedy from this entire movie is after he has tracked down that last um, rocket cycle or whatever. And he tosses the rider into the air. And then as the rider is in the air, Dr. Fate calls him and goes, bring me your prisoner. I can break their mind and we can find where the kid is. And, there's no response. He goes, you killed him, didn't you? And then in the background, you see the guy falling. <laughs> yeah, he didn't make it. <laughs> like that. I laughed like that. The timing on that was impeccable. That one, that one got me. Um, so there is some good comedy here. There are some decent action sequences. Um, again, the, the problem is, you know, there's not a lot of tension in the fights. So you're relying on spectacle rather than tension which can work and again for a lot of people it did here so i'm going to acknowledge that that that's the other thing you can do with uh, action sequences like that if there's no tension then you can get by on spectacle it's hard like that's a real tough thing to try and pull off because that's all the fast movies do now is hey spectacle and you just kind of wind up going yeah but i don't care anymore or you know roland emmerich i'm gonna kill the, i'm gonna blow up the planet again <laughs> but the moon yeah yeah the moon we got you so it, it's it's a tough thing to kind of negotiate there um yeah this i'm not gonna say i didn't enjoy the movie because i think it would be a bridge too far it was entertaining enough i don't think it's a good movie 
I don't think too many people are going to like. I, I don't think there's a lot of rewatch value here. Um, you, you kind of contrasted to kind of since we brought up uh, Top Gun Maverick earlier. There's a lot of rewatch value in Top Gun Maverick. I saw three times in the movies. You're weird. Nope, two but different dates, and my son. I I'm saying what I'm saying. <laughs> You're weird. But again, there's rewatch value there in terms of the performance, in terms of the spectacle, in terms of the action. Like, there's a lot there. In terms of, I mean, even the emotion in various places will resonate. This movie, while it is crowd pleasing, and it is, and I don't, I understand why people like this movie. Let me be very clear about that. I get it. There's movies that I like that are that I would make these same arguments about in terms of it's not good, but I like it, and here's why. Um, so I was mostly entertained, mostly, but it's not a very good movie as a general rule. And I, again, I question the rewatch value. This thing's going to make money ultimately. And we'll talk about the money in particular in a minute, but, um, okay. So the last thing I think we should, uh, again, I want to give Pierce Brosnan a mountain of credit because he could have phoned this in. No, he did seriously. He and he didn't. And good on him. He absolutely you know, he's the character with emotional weight behind what he's doing. He's the one who's whose relationship with the other characters kind of matter. Um he's kind of the voice of reason in addition to being a little bit quirky. He's got the cool power set. You know, he does stuff that's cool relative to what everyone else does, which is, you know, not, it's not boring, but it's not all that interesting most of the time. Right. So what do you think? Black Adam's going to fly around and maybe shoot some lightning? Okay, so what about the next time? Well, he's going to fly around, he's going to throw a guy, and then he's going to shoot some lightning. Uh-huh. <laughs> so my kids are into the horror genre. Um, Jonas is going to be Ghostface for Halloween. My daughter is a broken baby doll of some description. Right. And um, yeah, she picked that a she picked that a costume at the Spirit Halloween store, and it's like broken baby doll or some shit. Um, again, both into the horror thing. And that was one of the things I I thought about while watching this, especially that opening scene where he starts frying a bunch of guys. Because after a while, they stop showing you the gore, and yeah. it's just uh, guys gets flying everywhere. He's in a couple of different fist fights with Aldous Hodge, so the gore kind of comes to to a halt. But like in the beginning. Like you could have argued for, I, I don't know what the rating on this was, but thirteen. I get, you can't, yeah, and I and and it, I think it kind of earns, it, especially that first act. It earns the like, thirteen. Like the the first one of the first guys he kills, like he grabs him by the throat and then electrocutes mm-hmm. and melts him. Yeah, and they kind of show you some of that. Like it's not mm-hmm. quite what's his face from Indiana Jones and the in the uh, Raiders of the it's, Lost Ark. Yeah, it's not quite Raiders, but um, with his face melting off. But yeah, there's that. I mean, that first act where he where he takes out the uh, the intergang guys in the tomb, like he fries a couple of them. Like you you see him like like scorched down to the skeleton. It's a little gross. There's I mean, an, like, I not have... turn my stomach gross or anything, but like I kind of looked over at my kids and they're just like, you know, like more more gore. And I'm like, okay, like we we have found the level. Um, but I, I t- wait, hang on. I was thinking about that because like if you you don't know that as a parent, you just like the, the, you know. Shazam, Superman, Batman. Oh, I'll go see, take my kids to go see Black Adam. And if you're not into letting your kids see that sort of thing, you're going to freak the fuck out when you see this. 
Not to be Lola Lamb chops about it, but yeah, this this might not be for some kids. I imagine there's an R-rated version of this script slash movie Mm -hmm. that might be better. He's like using the lightning to like lop people's heads off and shit. I don't know. You know, he hits it with the lightning and they just explode like a fucking frog. So, again, this movie is very much a lot of jingling keys. And look, if you want to watch a movie that's jingling keys, and we all do. I'm not above Mm -hmm. that. I have my jingling keys movies. Mm -hmm. If this is one of your jingly keys movies, you can have a good time. And you know what? Godspeed and party on. Yep. All right. I think uh, I think that I think we're, we're we've now said that two and three times, so we're good here. Yeah. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, here comes the money. We're in the money. We're in the money. <laughs> Homer gets me every time. All right. Uh, so the weekend that was. Uh, this is a two hundred million dollar movie. It's it's a Marvel budget. At the time of uh, recording. This being the Monday, we're not in our usual Tuesday spot. This is the Monday evening after the weekend release, October 21st. It has made $142.9 million. Um, this broke a record for The Rock in particular. I'm sure uh, it did. As of October 23rd, 2022, Black Adam had grossed $67 million in the U.S. and Canada. And $75.9 million in other territories. How would you like to be? How would you like to be not the United States or Canada, and you're just other, <laughs> like, like fucking England, you know, France? None of that shit matters. You're other. Welcome to the U.S. Fucktards. Um, in the U.S. The only, and Can- the only other one we care about is China. <laughs> yeah, really. In the U.S. and Canada, Black Adam was released alongside Ticket to Paradise, and was projected to earn. 50 to 68 million from over 4,000 theaters in its opening weekend. It made 26.7 million on its first day, including 7.6 million from Thursday night previews, besting the opening day of Shazam, which earned 20.4. Went on to grow 67 million during the opening weekend, the highest of Johnson's leading career. So, yeah, this is big for him. Um, you know, Chris Bailey and I have a bet going that it's going to clear uh, 700 million. Um, I think it's going to clear 700 million. He thinks it doesn't make it. If I win, he has to do a triple feature of showgirls, hustlers, and striptease because I'm a heterosexual man and he has to look at boobs and then talk about it. Remember, remember like 10 minutes ago when I said you're weird? <laughs> yeah, I'm the in. weird one. You're not weird for watching those movies. You're weird for deciding I will force another man to watch them and then force him to discuss it with me publicly. Uh huh. That's look, weird. Look, you're not here to kink shame. Number one. Number number two. This... I am expressly here to shame and judge <laughs> you and everyone else. It's in my contract. Fair. Um. So. If he wins, though, he won't win. But if he wins, he wants them. I don't know. I don't probably have to review like a fucking season of GoBots or something. I don't know. It'll be something fucking. He childish. might win. Look, he might win. Let's acknowledge that. Well, we'll see. Uh, so yeah, far, we're like, off to you, a. You guys set that. You set that number at mm-hmm. exactly the right point. Like, if that's eight hundred million, it's not hitting it. And I think we can all agree. Like, okay, you've seen no. it. You've seen. What no, no, no. Like... I was comfortable with seven hundred million. Yeah. Like that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good spot. I don't know where exactly it's going to fall there, but it might not make that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Black Adam was the number one movie of the weekend. Duh. Um, <laughs> uh, Take It to Paradise was number two. It just the gross is between these two, sixty-seven to sixteen. 
like not even fucking close. State um, of cinema. Yeah. Uh, Smile fell from two to three. Halloween End, which was number one last weekend, nice fell to number for, four. Nice holdover for Smile, by the way. Only down another 32%. Hey, did good. you see the fucking Halloween Ends' fall? I mean, even with oh, the game date on Peacock. Yeah. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell <laughs> oh. you last week? Oh, boy. What a plummet that was. Like, but I mean, like, but again, oh. like anyone that wanted to see it in the theater saw it already. Like, we're done now. Yeah. And, and look, for the record, all you idiots out there, like petitioning to reshoot this. I didn't like Halloween ends. Let me be very clear about that. Did we spent not a lot of time talking about how much we didn't like it. Did not move me. But that's not grounds for saying <laughs> like, no, you're idiots. You got a bad movie in your franchise again. There's a lot of them. Like your fr- <laughs> that franchise is full of bad movies. Sorry, hate to yeah. break it to you. Like, but no, you're Look, not I, I think it's a waste of any of that. I think it's a waste of breath to sit here and yell at people for the petition thing because that's just now part of the culture. Putting, I'm going to yell at it because it's stupid. Doxing people, putting their personal information on Twitter, like leaving nasty comments on your social media. This is all just a part of the culture now. It's what we do as people. And I'm going to tell you all. It, I'm going to tell you it's stupid and don't do it. Online <laughs> petitions mean nothing. Good luck. Don't um, do that. Lyle Lyle Croc O'Dial fell from three to five. The Woman King, the vaunted Woman King, the the film that's resurrecting the the historical action piece. By the again <laughs> with the strong independent black woman who don't need no man except the king. Yes, fell from four to six. Terrifier opened in like a bunch more theaters. That jumped from eight to seven. Don't worry, darling. <laughs> Quite possibly the worst movie of the year. Fell from six to eight. Ooh. Amsterdam. Fell from five to nine. Triangle of Sadness. Have you? Have, did you watch the trailer yet? No, and I'm probably not going to. Oh my god. Um, that jumped up and up. That that went to wide release. Good for so it. So that jumped from fourteen to ten. Um, also debuting this week, the Banshees of Inisherin uh, debuted at eighteen. Paul's Promise nineteen. After Sun twenty two. Hang on. I've heard really good things about the Banshees of Inisherin. Actually. Um, okay. That's a. Uh, oh wow, that's, that's a Fox a- picture. Yeah, that that's a smaller budget, like prestige thing. It stars Colin uh, Colin Farrell and mm-hmm. Brendan Gleeson. Uh, it's you know, again, it's more of a drama, but it's uh, you know, life on a small a small island like off the coast of Ireland. It's it, again, it's performance wise and everything. I've heard it's quite good. Um, the Divine Protector Master Salt begins at twenty seven. The Return of Tanya Tucker, featuring Belinda Brandy Carlisle. At number 30, All That Breathes, 32, and Brainwash, Sex Camera Power, the name of your sex tape, uh, at uh, 33. So that's The weekend. Here we are worldwide. Uh, Top Gun, Jurassic Park, Doctor Strange, Minions, The Batman, Thor, Love and Thunder, Watergate Bridge, Fantastic Beast, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Uncharted. Here are all the movies currently doing better than Morbius. Elvis, The Bad Guys, Bullet Train, Lightyear, that's gonna, cool to Kill. No, no, no. That's going to be the title of your sex tape, doing better than Morbius. <laughs> Uh, nice view. Black Adam um, hitting the leaderboard at number 17. Black Adam already already doing better than Morbius. <laughs> Go get him, kid! Um, Mark is desperately hoping you add another $500 million to your current total. <laughs> um, I mean, we had this conversation earlier in the group chat. Um, it's got a solid three weeks before Black Panther comes out. I'm not and saying Black- it's... A, hey, look, I'm not saying it's impossible. 
I'm not like I, I this is I'm not definitively saying whether or not I think either of you is going to win right now. Get back next week. We will have the bet watch for <laughs> Mark and Bailey, and we will. So the bet, you. the bet, is, the end of the bet is it has to have made plus or minus seven hundred million by end of theatrical exclusivity. So if like tomorrow, watch fucking Black Adam on PVOD, and you hear someone throw their computer into the street, it's me, Austin. It was me all along. Um, god damn it can I not have a full fucking window to have this bet in um, I mean I assume it'll be 45 days before it goes on HBO Max but who the fuck knows with Discovery now I don't I don't know if they're still if that I don't know if the deal they made for 45 days is still up or if it was renegotiated I have no idea what the state of their theatrical window is um, it was like a thing you should have looked up before making a wager but the world changed in, in the last what month are we in? Ten months when we made that bet. That was like back in January. We had that conversation. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That is an old bet. Yeah. So anyway, here's what I'll tell you that's working in favor of my winning the bet versus Bailey's winning the bet. One, this has good word of mouth, and we'll talk about that in the next segment. The critical, sure. the critical score versus audience score on this is like a seesaw. Um, the audience score for this, people love this movie. They, it's like yay. Not since love it, even before Love and Thunder, because a lot of people didn't love Love and Thunder either. Most um, people. Yeah, they're kind of disappointed. Let, let, let me say this about Thor Love and Thunder. I, I touched on this a few weeks ago. I'm going to repeat myself. I hate Thor Ragnarok, but I understand a little bit why people like it. I don't know anyone who I take seriously who's like, Thor Love and Thunder is a good movie. Um, So you have good word of mouth, which helps in that second and third week of people going to the theater. Like, oh, it's not horrible. It's not disappointing like doctor strange it's it doesn't suck out loud like thor so you know if or the eternals if the last time you went to the movies and and had a high expectation and your expectation was met was top gun maverick that was may okay that was the end of may when top gun maverick came out we have june been... july august september five months five we have been without a kind of big crowd-pleasing film and in for quite a while right so five months is a long time for i mean like we go we see everything and we see it in the theater but for most normies five months is a long time to see something to, to, to wait to go see something worth seeing in the movies and with the way with the state of superhero pictures you might not have seen an opening weekend because like oh i've been i have been offered a blowjob before and it turns out to be a transsexual or something like that and like this isn't what i wanted I was oh. led astray. Once but it again, was a bad thing. It's just not what I wanted. Once again, you're weird. <laughs> just, I think it was an apt comparison. You went into something thinking it was going to be one thing. Turns out it's not what you wanted. Not that it was a bad thing. It's just not what you were paying for. You might be reticent to do it again. Okay. <laughs> but so I don't look. If you don't like my euphemisms, that's fine. But they're but they're solid and they work. In your metaphors? Yes. Yes, my metaphors. <laughs> I, actually my synonyms. <laughs> I actually prefer your euphemisms. <laughs> Fair. Your metaphor game's gotten pretty weak. <laughs> my metaphor game is creative. Anyway, speaking of blowjobs, um, back to Black Adam. So I think people are like starving another, for another totally sexless movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Um well, there's no sex in superhero movies, it's fine. Unless it's unless it's Peggy Carter and Steve Rogers. 
the only way, it's the only time it counts. After they've been married. After they've been married, right? In some or the events. or the kind of like tacit admission that Tony Stark has every venereal disease known to man. Fair. So this stands a good chance because people have waited forever to see something good. Now people know that their neighbor likes it that saw it, so they're going to want to go see it. Then you add in the fact that you have Pray for the Devil, which is the next big wide release. I'll, we'll talk about this in a second. Something else, and then like like the, the first week of November is nothing, and then um, Black Panther. In so three hour friggin' Black Panther. My point is, you've got Fat Namor. This got this has another solid two weeks before it has any competition in the theater. So all anyone's going to go see is if they go to the movies, they're going to see Black Adam. Pretty much. Um. Anyway. The Lost City and Nope, all doing better than Morbius. And <laughs> movies not doing quite movies that couldn't even beat Nor- Morbius. Smile, which is gaining. Smile oh, might need, do it. It needs another 430,000. 430, is that it? Look, yeah, Smile will do it. Yeah, let's go Smile. Let's beat Morbius. Then then we can end the year. We're done then. <laughs> the Black Phone Scream, Death on the Nile, Where the Crawdads Sing, One Piece, The Roundup. Everything, everywhere, all at once, and triple R. Ticket to Paradise currently sitting at ninety-seven million. Hooray! All right. Um, looking at the calendar, we kind of just went through all this. I don't want to repeat myself too much, but uh, yeah, we have Pray for the Devil um, Halloween weekend, which is put out by Lionsgate, and it's PG thirteen, which I didn't realize. Like, I'm debating whether or not I want to bring my kids to that now, since it's only a PG thirteen you know movie. Go for it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <sighs> hey, listen. Ex- It'll be an experiment. And we'll see. We'll see if they want to go see it. Um, for science. And then <laughs> for science. November 4th, Armageddon Time, which is a drama, which I think if like if you're a film, you know, film snob, that's a focus feature. That's the universal prestige film studio. Yeah. Um, I mean, people might go see it, but it's not competitive with Black Adam. And then uh, November 11th is Black Panther. And it's Wakanda like the only, forever. it's the only thing in like wide release. So that right there is the money. Hey, before we move on to the next segment, I don't have the article ready and we didn't like prep it before the show, but you saw something and we were like, oh, we should talk about this on the show. Can you like 50 words or less the thing about Star Wars that you were talking about? Do you remember? Uh, I didn't link that. Someone else did. Okay. But you read it and like you had opinions or or we could just move on. But I thought it was something you wanted to talk about. Um, There was... It was an overblown, like, pseudo-reaction from one of the comic book resource-adjacent properties that said, internally, Disney considers Star Wars a dead property after after looking at the numbers for Andor, which just came out streaming. Mm -hmm. Now, my response to that was, one, if you're trusting this source, you're an idiot. Sure. But. Didn't didn't fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi do really well? Not like it didn't do bad, but like here's here's kind of the point that I'm gonna bring up about okay. this. There is a degree to which the numbers are the numbers about stuff like this, and both She-Hulk and Ms. Marvel did not do well. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not relative to what the expectations were. Andor does not seem to be doing well. Um, Obi-Wan, I think, started okay, but tapered off. Yeah, when they stopped focusing on Obi-Wan. When and they, hey, like, the Book of Boba Fett. 
And the less said about that, the better. <laughs> uh-huh. So there is a there is something of a potential discussion to be had about what the expectations for some of these streaming properties are. And you know, is Star Wars a dead IP? No. But I think Andrew Graham in that same chat put it best. Like they're having to rebuild. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Star Wars is trying to rebuild from the bottomless pit <laughs> that Rise of Skywalker dumped it in. Yeah, what they're failing to understand is that the, the brain trust running Lucasfilm right now are, are all like the post-Disney people. And those post-Disney people find everything pre-Disney to be worthless. Well, that's not true anymore. Um the guy godfathering the new stuff over at Lucasfilm now is Dave Filoni. And he has a long history of being involved in the Star Wars fandom. Okay, and, but he again inherited a sick body that he's trying oh, yeah. to bring back to help. Y- so yes, here, you, you, that hang he on. did. The, the stuff they're unraveling right now is all from the pre-Dave Filoni stuff. And there's only so much he can do with it. When they, yeah. when they decided to greenlight a bunch of post-Disney stuff... There's nothing he can do about that. He's not gonna pull it. He's not gonna pull a discovery and be like, everything done. No, <laughs> just throw it all out. Start all over again. We'll see you in five years. So Correct. yes, we're still working through the woke gals, fucking the, the forces female group. Now, granted, they're not greenlighting anything else. Dave Filoni is, but you're a good couple of years away from good Dave Filoni stuff. They're still trying yeah. to figure out. You know, see the thing of it is, Andor could be great. I don't know. I haven't watched it. I don't give a shit anymore. But um. Andor could be the best thing on streaming TV right now. Who would know? The, the problem is nobody's interested in the post-Disney stuff anymore. They only want they, they they want the heroes they grew up with. They want Luke, they want Han, they want Leia, they want Chewbacca. Um, they, they wanted Boba Fett, but now nobody wants that because that's been peed on. They look, they thought they wanted Boba Fett, but you know, look, if democracy is the theory that you know, the people should get what they want, you should give it to them good and hard. <laughs> you wanted Boba Fett, you got it. So anyway, and everyone point... went, no, this terrible character <laughs> who I had headcanon for this, and they went, no, yeah, your headcanon doesn't matter. Here's the here's the here's what happens. Like, so no, my, my point my being that you know when the forces female group green greenlit a bunch of post Rise of Skywalker shit, nobody wants it. So it's not that it's a dead IP. We're all just kind of sitting here, and I'll, I'll throw myself in there, but we're all kind of just sitting here waiting for the stuff we want and not the stuff they're giving us. And as long as they're going to give us stuff we don't want, you're not going to get a good reaction. It, that's just the way it is. And, and to kind of compare this to what we were talking about with Marvel. And I said, and I think you disagreed with this on Twitter. I don't remember anymore, but well, it was I, something along, it, it was like, <laughs> point again, I'll tell you if I agree or disagree right now, <laughs> but it was something along the lines of, you know, comic book fans screaming at uh, screaming at the studios, give us what oh, we yeah. want and give us comic book accurate stuff. They gave you a comic book accurate She-Hulk, and they went, no, not that, you assholes. Give us Punisher. Give us Wolverine. Give us Ghost Rider. That's all we wanted. Give us Born Again Daredevil and never stop. And they're like, well, no, there's other stuff in the comics, too, and not every era was the same, and so we're peeling from different eras, and we're doing different things. They're like, no, 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 no. Grimdark 90s, go fuck yourself. And it's like, uh, I, I give up. I uh, Okay. My point about what you said about that, I believe my counter was, you know, Studio executives, here's comic book, here's comic book accurate visuals, but none of the heart that makes the characters interesting. And comic book fans going, God, they go, okay, fine, fine, fine. Here's just terribly written material. 
<laughs> Why do we do this to ourselves? Um, there's, uh, if we want to talk about Marvel in a broader context here, I don't. Um, I want to wrap up Star Wars. No, no, I, I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this point short. Because again, this is relevant. This is somewhat relative, relevant to you know, what's going on with Andor. There is fairly or unfairly, all this crap gets lumped together. Yeah, you're on this. You're all from the same studio. You're all on the same streaming platform, and there's a bunch of stuff on there that is getting hit with accidental fire. Like, you're taking proximity damage. You know, hey, we're working on She- you know, She-Hulk's about to come out. Okay, well, here, well, Ms. Marvel's out right now. How's that doing? Not good. Uh, all right, well, here's She-Hulk, and there's just a lot of kind of baggage that She-Hulk inherits from Ms. Marvel, fairly or unfairly. And then to say nothing of the baggage that She-Hulk itself engenders, which it does. I mean, whether you enjoy that show or not, I'm not here to judge you about that, but whether you enjoy it or not, there's baggage that that show brings on itself to say nothing of some of the stuff that it does get, again, somewhat unfairly lumped on because of people's experience with Ms. Marvel. Andor's dealing with all that, plus not too long ago, the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> and a lot of people were disappointed in Obi-Wan, just straight up. Yeah, because again, they focused on the butchy uh, African American gal. Le- they focused on her and ten year old Leia. <laughs> yeah, and it's and look, that character could have been great, could have been awful. It didn't matter. It's just not what people wanted. They were like, "Give us the further adventures of Obi Wan Kenobi." I, and look, people, I'm just gonna say this, and th- this is to all of you who make decisions about stuff like this. If you wanted to tell Rava's story, okay, don't. I beg of you, stop backdooring yeah. characters. This if you, is if I go. This was the trekking comic books. This was the trekking comic books where it was like, you know, we want to make this character a thing, so we'll throw into this other guy's book. If I pay to go see Doctor Strange, I'm paying to see Doctor Strange do stuff. I don't want to see him tag along the misadventures of America Chavez. And there's a lot of that. And it, it is. It's very off-putting. Like, hey, the show is titled Obi-Wan. You're selling it on Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then it's very clear how little you want to spend, how, much li- how little time the writers want to spend with Obi-Wan. So, again, Andor is inheriting a lot of that baggage, even though Andor itself is not... Everyone I have se- everyone I know who has watched it has been generally complimentary. Mm-hmm. So, for whatever value right. that has. But again, it's it's like watching a foreign film. Sure, it's good. Who's watching it, though? Who cares? You know, the 10 film snobs that you know versus the 100 people that went to see Black Adam because they wanted to see The Rock lay at the smacketh down on Hawkman. So, all right. The, the, now the we... much-awaited rematch between Black Adam and Hawk Hogan. <laughs> I'm going to keep on with that. All right, here we go with the critical review. Are you ready? 
You know what? I'm on the wrong page. Um, well, yeah, I, I got a little ahead of myself. Well, there it is, folks. Modern cinema. This, <laughs> I, I can't say it any better than that. The great divide at the moment between <laughs> the, 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 the critical score, a rotten 40%, the audience score, an overwhelmingly positive 90%. Give them what they want. Do, do, do. This is Natalie Merchant, the movie. Do 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 do. Give them what they want. It's candy everybody wants, baby. Candy everybody wants. Uh huh. <laughs> everybody wants Robert Winfrey. Not me. It's like Homer. Everybody loves Black Adam. Not me. Hey, <laughs> I stand by my criticism of the film. And to be fair, I didn't say I hated it. Black Adam may. Oh yeah, look, PG thirteen. Uh, Black Adam may end up pointing the way to an exciting future for DC films. It doesn't. But as a standalone <laughs> experience, it, how? <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, it's How wild. Do you at that? This is no. <laughs> uh, but as a standalone experience, it's a wildly uneven letdown. <sighs> okay. I, again, how are you, how are you, how can you say it's a letdown when everyone's gonna have different expectations of this? Yeah, there, there's a lot of like. I don't know what you were expecting if you want to say you were let down by this. As a as a film in total, like was the movie let down by the writing? Yes. But was I, as an audience member, let down by this? I don't know. I kind of got what I expected. Not right, as gonna, high a quality, but... I'm going to read this to you, and then i got to run to the bathroom real quick. Candace McMillan of Seattle Refined. It is the writing, perhaps, that muddies Black Adam to near obscurity, wiping away any proper establishment of character, until all that is left is a meathead magician who can spar with jets of electricity and drop foes from the middle of the ozone layer. <laughs> Well, Mark goes to reassess his life. Um, I mean, given that I critiqued the writing, I don't necessarily disagree with the sort of generalized premise that the writing lets this thing down. However, I actually disagree with the notion that it that it like struggled to establish proper character. Like, there, I wish Black Adam had been more. I wish there had been more to it. But Black Adam is his own character. Like, all of these characters, believe it or not, are their own characters. They might lack any emotional resonance or whatnot, but they are their own characters. But I, right. I think that's a bit of a misread. Sarah Michelle Fetters of MovieFreak.com, top critic. Black Adam is nothing more than a splashy two-hour coming attractions reel for future motion pictures. No, it isn't. This is not a special effects demo. Like I've made that I have made that criticism legitimately about other films. This isn't even a this isn't even a painfully obvious setup to other movies in the DCEU other than teasing Superman at the end. Like, yeah, that, I was going to say like you cut no, that out and this this isn't connected to the DCEU at all. You could have been convinced Well, it still is hang on, it still is because of Shazam, but well uh, yeah, and Waller, but again, if you haven't seen Shazam, you're not really missing anything. Or yeah, you... Like, you can you can easily watch this without having seen any of those and still be fine. So Superman shows up at the end, and Jonas goes, "Is this a Marvel DC crossover?" I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Superman. To He's from Mar Superman. <laughs> Superman's a DC character, not a Marvel character." Yeah, we had to have a talk in the bathroom. 
Um, so uh, let's see here. Uh, Callum Crumlish of Daily Express UK. It's just the same. The film. It's just a shame. The film itself is painfully dull. It's not painfully dull. It's a little one note. Like you, you and I mentioned this. The, hang on. This movie might have good pacing, generally speaking, mm-hmm. but it's real samey from start to finish. Yeah. It's a lot of fist fights, but people want a lot of fist fights. And, uh, Chris, I, I mean, again, look, you can say it's samey in a way that you enjoy. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. It is very one note. Uh, Chris Swain of Hub Pages. With a horrid script, lackluster performances, and a waste of potentially awesome characters, Black Adam is an explosive $195 million anti-heroic dud. Again, if it makes money, it's not a dud. It's a little early to claim yeah, that. Yeah, you, you don't understand what dud means in this instance, sir, until you've seen the receipts. That's, that's not yeah. how that works. Andrea Chase of Killer Movie Reviews. The writing is just so much connect the dots to get us from one overall battle sequence to the next, and too many of those dots were skipped. Yeah, but if this was a Marvel movie, you'd be fucking, you know, painting the screen white. To be... Look, you're not wrong about that, and I absolutely mean that. These people give Marvel all kinds of passes. That Mm -hmm. said, it's not wrong to say that this is a lot of... like That's how a lot of the writing goes. Ryan Syrek of The Reader of Omaha, Nebraska. Dwayne wants to see himself as a vigilante superhero with godlike powers. So now I have to review Black Adam, which is two hours of noise and lights vaguely in the shape of a movie. Nobody cares about your fucking blog, sir. <laughs> you have projected is... way too much of your personal angst into this. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Like, was that supposed to be a professional review or your, like, fucking taped conversation with a buddy at a bar? Um, he, writes for, he writes for the Omaha Reader. It could be both. <laughs> Eric Kane of Forbes, an, an actual publication. Forbes. Tepid, lukewarm, mediocre, bland, sluggish, perfunctory, dull, anemic. All with periods. Aren't you just special? Hey, the <laughs> New York, like the new, uh, not the New Yorker, but the guy who writes for uh, New York Magazine and Vulture got it right. And somehow that guy didn't. Our friend Armin White from National Review checking in. <laughs> this old Hi. guy. Armin White. We love you, Armin White. You are my favorite guy to read from. You're Mark's father. <laughs> that's right <laughs> my black dad we now know so much about the behind the scenes content making and celebrity that black adam's attempt to exploit the political moment and audience taste is insultingly obvious i how in heart the you world i heart you armin white never change how in the world can you possibly arrive at that conclusion <laughs> he looks for boogeymen when there are none how did you how do you look at this movie and go this movie has aspirations to discuss the current political climate in any way shape form or fashion if by political climate he meant middle east in that general terms uh michael medved of the this movie that was you mean this movie that was shot a year ago when all was peaceful (laughs) michael medved of the michael medved show we hate you michael medved we hate you mark would not break for you if he saw you crossing the road (laughs) not even a little uh, the plot is almost impossible to follow. You're a fucking idiot, dude. <laughs> dude, y- y- look, it might be stupid and it might be full of crappy Deus Ex Machina backfilling, but it's not hard to follow. No. Um, but the characters are intriguing and occasionally amusing. You can't avoid the impression that the whole is just a setup for a future installment. Jesus, Mary, again with this? It's set up for a future installment of what they hope will be an extended franchise. Oof. Um, no, like, okay. Are they, are they looking to make more of these? Yes. 
is this movie hinging itself on, well, we'll fix it in the sequel, like so many movies you and I have reviewed? Mm. Like Pan? Remember Pan? Right. <laughs> hey, yes. we'll, we'll deal it. We'll, we'll address it in the sequel. We'll address it in the sequel. We'll address it in the sequel. You're not getting a sequel. All right, I want to read this one quick, and then I think we're done here, unless I can find my friends. Caroline Seed of Fox 10 Phoenix, top critic. The messiest superhero this side of Morbius. Black Adam, nevertheless, has a certain charm and even a few intriguing, if not downright radical ideas on the margins. Okay, no ideas. Not an idea movie. Is this the messiest superhero <laughs> movie since I gotta, Morbius? I gotta, go, I gotta go back. Wait a minute. Because <laughs> okay. we were doing this earlier. He said the thing. He said the thing. Adam Olinger of Adam Does Movies, former wrestling fan of YouTube. Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? It's another bad movie. Are you derpy gaming? Yeah, he's he's hiding on the alt account, derpy. The 501st. <laughs> to, to talk to us. Uh, let's see. Is there anything, about, anything else good here? Josh Willing of comicbookmovie.com. Come for the Rock's pitch-perfect take on Black Adam and stay for an unmissable post-credit scene. Then just try to forget everything else because this brainless, brawny superhero movie is not the fresh start the DCEU desperately needs. Except that it wasn't trying oh, to be that. It's okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't think he's not. I don't think he was saying that this movie is trying to restart the DCEU. I think he's commenting. Look, you and I have mentioned it. Boy, is that thing a mess. And it is in desperate need of a fresh start. Mm -hmm. And this movie is not quite that. And I think that's, I do think that's an accurate observation. I'm not sure if it's a fair criticism of the film, but I do think it's accurate to point out in the state of things. Look, it's like when a girl or, or a guy tries to make amends and get back together with you. Sure, they could do something Why flashy and over the top your, and romantic. So many of your metaphors. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, or you could just make small, gradual changes and try to be a better person. Everyone here is looking for romance. I want small, radical, personal changes that make you a better person. And let's grow together. Because the big, sweeping, grand, romantic gesture only will take you so far. And then, but if nobody changes, you're right back to where you started. Come back for Love Lines with Mark and, and uh, under duress, say, Robert Winfrey. Look, look <laughs> if you want to have that podcast. <laughs> the, you're doing it with the wrong guy. Uh, speaking of the right am, woman for the wrong man. I'm just not. Tanya Lamb I'm, I'm of Lower Lamb Shops. I'm just seriously very much not in the right headspace to do that podcast with you at this moment. If you want to have that podcast, we need to rethink things. And I'll, I'm game-ish, but you got to give me a heads up about that. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, the former Mrs. X, Robert Winfrey, Lola Lamb Chops. Formulaic, but also entertaining. Black Adam has its faults, but there's enough to work with to excuse some of them. I'm a sucker for an anti-hero with a heart. Aw. Well, that's no wonder you and Robert got along so well in the beginning until your marriage fell apart in the future. Because all you could make were grand, sweeping, romantic gestures about heroism <laughs> and <laughs> violence. Nice. But you couldn't actually change uh, in the ways that I needed you to change. <laughs> Story of my life. Roger Moore, Robert's father of Movie Nation. 
stunningly decorated tedium as boring an experience as any sentiment cinema goers going to have at the movies this year. Any sentient cinema goers. And much as I approve of you insulting the general <laughs> theater going audience as not exactly sentient or sapient creatures, because most of them aren't. I, I don't think it's fair to project your sense of boredom with this onto everyone else. Look, was I thrilled by this movie? No. Was I bored at times? Yeah, I was. But I'm not I'm not ignorant to the reality that plenty of other people in this instance did enjoy it. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeffrey Harris of 401mania.com. DC's Black Adam is lacking. The Rock leans too hard into stoicism for his performance, so much that Black Adam never truly comes into his own as a character. Eh, not in, I mean, it, kind of the same thing. We, we, look, we did talk about that. Not entirely wrong. Yep. All right, Jeff, you get a pass. You can be our well, friend. Well, and and to be fair, what if you look at what Jeff rated it? He rated it like a five out of ten. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking pure craft review for this thing, I don't think that's unfair. It's average. I mean, and five is right smack in the middle. Uh, Whitney okay. Seibold of my my best friend, Whitney Seibold of Slash Film. Black Adam feels more like an outline than a finished film. Eh. Well, <laughs> you know, there's definitely a lot of strung together. Our it, friend didn't do this one. Where you go again? He hasn't submitted. When it comes to the writing of Black Adam, yeah, it feels more like an outline uh, than anything else. Or um, oh, what's the movie that's like barely? A, oh, so do you know how much of the dialogue was ad libbed in the in like Paul in the original Mortal Kombat movie? Just mm. so much of it. So much of it. Like, if you're thinking of a line from that movie, it was probably ad-libbed. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Well, folks, that is our Black Adam review. Uh, or the entirety for... of freaking Ghostbusters Answer the Call, which I'm still convinced was not actually written. I refuse to believe someone <laughs> wrote that out. All right. So uh, tonight was Black Adam um, on a special Monday edition because I will be at Stevie Nicks tomorrow. However, during the day, uh, Alexis Haina is going to have me back on TV Party tonight because it's her show now. And we're going to discuss Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. So that'll be fun. Uh, that'll They're be apparently tomorrow selling afternoon Jeff at noon. They're selling Jeffrey Dahmer costumes. Of course they are. Um, so check that out. Our dumb culture. And then <laughs> Wednesday, we've got the Superblog team up goes to hell and our submission here on the Rattles and Broadcasting Network is myself and Pat Mullen doing a commentary track for Hell Comes to Frogtown, uh, starring is Rowdy Rod Roddy Piper. I was going to say, isn't Roddy Piper in that? He sure is, Ollie. Uh, so the, the video has been released for a couple of weeks now um, on YouTube, but the audio will be released in conjunction with the Superblog team of Goes to Hell tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, October 26th. Uh, the source material submission for the Superblog team of is Batman Punisher Lake of Fire. And then in the evening, Robert and Alexis will be doing a TV party for a midnight club. Allegedly, Jason Teasley will be joining us. We're still waiting. Yeah, we're allegedly. still waiting to see how. Look, he got the Rona. I so understand. We're see we're waiting we're waiting to see exactly how he's feeling. But yeah, Alexis and I will talk about that boring, forgettable, uninteresting, like easily <laughs> the least interesting thing that this director's ever done. Um, on noon Friday, bef uh, before I head out to Orlando, um, we will be doing my friend, um, uh, or former boss, actually, she, she did a podcast with me years and years ago during the block talk radio era for Michael Pollan's cooked. Michael Pollan has a new four part documentary series called how to change your mind. It's about, 
um, using uh, psych uh, psychedelics in mental health. We're going to watch that documentary and talk about it at noon on Friday the 28th. I do feel like at least one of you will be microdosing. I hopefully will. Um, Saturday, we'll have a re-airing of Robert's Everyone Loves a Bad Guy for the Treehouse of Horrors that have come out over the years on The Simpsons. The last uh, episode of that particular podcast. Yep. Um, on the 30th, we have a... Uh, it's, it's a podcast that has been out for a couple of years now, but um, it never had a page. Well, So if you want to come see the artwork and check out the page for it. <laughs> It'll be on October 30th for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which Robert and Alexis reviewed. Um, and I believe, uh, if I'm reading this right, uh, there'll also be an unspoken issues for... And we seem to have lost Mark. Hopefully he reconnects. Um, let me do my plugs while we wait to see what happens there. <laughs> If anything, great. Let me see if he's going to update me on that. Uh, my plugs for this week. Um, this last Saturday, I covered UFC 280, which took place at the, uh, which was the, again, the UFC event for the week. Um, great event on paper. Kind of lackluster in practice. Um, you can get my full breakdown on that, the good, the bad, and the otherwise. Uh, over on the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, which I record Sunday evenings. And if you're interested in the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts, please do stop by, say hello, give that a listen. I always appreciate it. And we got Mark back. I don't know where you lost me, but I don't care anymore. Just finish. Yeah, we're doing plugs. Okay. Something about the unspoken issues for a super blog team up goes to hell. Oh, wow. You let, missed the whole end of that then. It doesn't matter. Just check the schedule. Stuff will be up. Go. Uh, I cover professional wrestling a few nights a week. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to eat dinner and then cover AEW's Dark Elevation, which is out now, but I will do that because I would normally do that now, but we're recording this show now, so you all get me instead of that. So I will do that, and then MLW, if they start releasing stuff again, which they should in the nearish future, they've got a new um, deal for their content, apparently, with uh, some place. So... That should be up and running again fairly soon. And when they start releasing content, I will be reviewing it because I cover MLW. And Friday, WWE SmackDown. Uh, this week, they're on FS1 because of something on Fox. Uh, but they're continuing the build to sweet, sweet Saudi blood money. Uh, Roman Reigns will be there. So Logan Paul might make a run in. Uh, who knows? You tell I have ethical objections to the, to the Saudi shows or the sports washing that went on with the UFC in Abu Dhabi or the children of Ramzan Kadyrov being cage side or, you know, Kadyrov. Okay. Now I'm going to get you. I'm trying to get you in trouble on this one. Hang on. <laughs> I'd listen to your transsexual blowjob metaphors. <laughs> you can. I wrapped it up quickly, though. Wrap yours up quickly. I'm going to get you to do here. So. Uh, again, WWE SmackDown on Friday, and then the UFC event on Saturday, assuming it actually happens. That poor card. Um, it's in kind of a shambles at the moment, so we'll see what they can scrape together. Oh, not this. Sorry, this week's okay. Next week is the one that's in real shambles. Um, but we'll see. They'll juggle something this week. Um, 
It's Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen, which is a pretty good main event. The rest of the card, again, not that great. But if you want the full preview, as I already mentioned, the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, so give that a listen. And damn you, Holly, will be back next week for Pray for the Devil. Yes? Yes. All, All right. right, folks. For Robert Winfrey, I'm Mark Rattle. This has been Damn You Hollywood. Thanks for checking us out. Hey, if you watch this live, we appreciate you. We do. Um, if you if you were just trolling us, not going to get a reaction out of me. Sorry. It's going to block you. Bye. Be well. <laughs> be safe. <laughs> be well. Be safe and behave. Uh, hit the button. Where is the button? Where are you, button? There we go.